It's the tip of the spear in the epic battle to defend the United States of America. The National Security Hour exposes the wolves in sheep's clothing and their nefarious plots to undermine and destroy U.S. national security. Welcome to the National Security Hour on the American Out Loud News, the talk radio network on iHeartRadio, where you will find and hear Voice of Freedom, the Out Loud Truth. I am your host, Lieutenant Colonel Sargis Singiri, U.S. Army Retired, CEO of the Near East Center for Strategic Engagement, founder of United Assyrian Appeal, and the host of New Paradigms with Sargis Singiri, which airs on Red American Media every Wednesday evening. My guest tonight is Ron Reese. Ron is a very dear friend of mine. He is uh, a uh, former Army Intel human counterintelligence soldier who enjoys connecting dots of information. What we call link analysis, Ron was a uh, Iraqi survey group analyst, a counterterrorism analyst, and worked with Task Force J2X. And in civilian life, he is an equity trader. Ron connected the dots on May 30th of 2020 between Dr. Zelenko's protocol and the top U.S. virologist Ralph Barrick for the Near East Center for Strategic Engagement. Ron joins me today live from Jakarta, Indonesia, to discuss the possibility of an impending H5N1 avian influenza pandemic and the U.S. gain-of-function, what we call golf link analysis, that may be tied to a new strain of the bird flu. American Out Loud Talk Radio plays on iHeart Radio Network. You can also listen on our media player from any web browser anywhere in the world. We have the best-in-class apps available on Apple, Android, and Alexa, where we stream 24-7, and now you can also hear them on the podcast on those same apps. We and Ron and I will also propose possible countermeasures today that both governments and individuals can take to fight against the deadly bird flu. Ron, it is a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you, Sargis. Good evening. Ron, I do want to start off with what I initially talked about in my opening, which was really your work initially on uh, May 30th of 2020, where you were able to take a look at uh, Dr. Zelenko's protocol and the top U.S. virologist, Ralph Barrick, and were actually very instrumental when I did interview Dr. Zelenko on my show, New Paradigms with Sargis Singeri where it was the first time he realized that you're the one who actually brought the two studies kind of together, what was being done by uh, Ralph Barrick and what actually Dr. Zelenko was doing uh, on the ground, treating the patients when initially COVID hit the U.S. If you could give us a bit of the history and how it came about, we were able to see that link analysis. Uh, certainly. Uh, let me start off by saying I believe I'm still the first and the only person who has made this linkage between Ralph Barrick and Dr. Zelenko's protocol. Um, and to be more, um, to give a little more history on it, uh, Zeb Zelenko proposed something and enacted it 
and his patients, his high-risk patients with comorbidities, obese, uh, aged individuals, and he was able to reduce their hospitalizations by 84%. Uh, this was issued in a peer-reviewed paper in the fall of 2020, showing this through observational um uh, uh observational i call it observational research testing of the patients that uh, did indeed have this reduction of 84 percent and this was in the spring of 2020 okay when we were all worried about lockdowns and how bad the mutations were going to be and what the ultimate death death toll would be of this virus he was saving lives so um i was following this and and let me go back into some of the history of exactly how this came about. Like many people, we were all trying to figure out what type of virus this was. Was it a lab leak? Was it natural? How do we counteract it? Uh, and I was doing a lot of research on antiviral therapies. Uh, hydroxychloroquine had come up with Didier Raoult, who was using it uh, over with his patients in France. So I started following this, and I came across a video from a YouTube channel known as MedCram. And this is run by a doctor out of, I believe, Riverside, California, by the name of Dr. Roger Swelt. And he had taken to issuing out videos updating the situation with the pandemic, uh, what were the potential causes, what were, um, uh, and just a general medical, informational, and analytical channel, which was invaluable to many of us. And on March 10th, 2020, he put out a video re uh, related to zinc plus something called ionophores. And he had discovered in this, in this literature, he had found two papers, one regarding zinc plus ionophores and the other that chloroquine is a zinc ionophore. Um, quick explanation. And I'm going to use Zeb Zelenko's uh, description, which I... I believe it's it, it just the layman can really understand this better. Think of zinc like a bullet in your body. It's sitting there waiting to get inside of your cells and target viral replication. That's its target to stop the virus from replicating. Uh, so, but zinc will not go through your cell membranes because there are other normal functions that your body uses. Uh, and zinc would disrupt that if you had overt concentrations of zinc long term so it prevents like an armored wall zinc cannot pass into the cell wall but when you use an ionophore the ionophore is like a gun you load your bullet in the gun and then the ionophore shoots it inside of the cell and increases the concentration temporarily and that enables that zinc to be able to disrupt viral replication um, it disrupts something called RNA-dependent RNA polymerase. Um, and so it's an amazing discovery. And this was discovered in 2010. And I'm looking at it, and I start to implement it. What can I use as an ionophore? Because I cannot get hydroxychloroquine. So I'm going from quinine and green tea extract, which is also very effective, uh, quercetin, and uh, for three months, we're doing this research, and I'm citing this paper. Uh, and I have no idea who did it. I'm just trusting that maybe it works. But then on May 
30th, 2020, I started going through the names of the authors of this paper. I should have done this months before, but I had delayed it. So I finally started going through these names, and I come up with the name Ralph Barrick. And Ralph Barrick turns out to be a virological genius. Uh, he's got 40 years of experience playing around with RNA viruses, doing gain of function, working on vaccines and working on antiviral therapies, uh, one of which many people might know by the name of remdesivir, which was mandated by, it was approved, uh, one of the only antiviral drugs approved by the FDA on emergency use. And Tony Fauci was promoting it right in front of Donald Trump. Um, and ultimately, it became the standard of care. Uh, the issue with remdesivir is that it is the same thing as zinc. It does kind of the same thing. It disrupts the viral replication. But because it's IV only, you can only give it to patients in the hospital. And they're already in inflammatory distress. The viral load is already peaked. And that is no longer the issue. You, If you want to stop a viral load from building, you have to start early. You don't wait till the patient is lips are turning blue and you're into the hospital. And, so and, uh, and Ron, to, 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 uh, yes, to make sure that our listeners understand that, it's because, uh, as, as you said, you have to be able to hit the viral load early. Um, and if you Correct. don't, uh, it's ineffective uh, after, you know, the virus has pretty much um, uh, had that load already established internal. Uh, and then what happens is when you're going past day seven, uh, which is usually the date that everybody's looking at, your body starts fighting the uh, virus. And, it, you know, you got to get this initially in the first three to four days, five days inside of your body. Uh, to be able to really kind of stop the replication of the uh, of the virus. Um, but when you initially looked at this, when, the, you know, uh, you saw that it was Dr. Barrick, um, how was it where you were able to link it to, oh, my God, it's the same thing that Zelenko might be doing, but Zelenko is actually doing the live patient treatment? I had also been observing uh, Dr. Zelenko's interviews, and he was doing the same protocol that was in this uh, video, the MedCram video. I was certain he had watched it. I couldn't prove it at the time, but I, I was certain that he had also watched it, and that's where uh, he'd gotten the inspiration to develop his protocol. It matched perfectly with, with uh, this episode from MedCram. And later, I was able to verify it when I believe he was on... Um, a program called the high wire with Dell big tree during an interview. And he mentioned uh, this MedCram video as being the inspiration, but obviously he did not know it was Ralph Barrick that was behind it. And neither did I until May 30th. And uh, I have to say, frankly, it blew me away. It was a shaking my head moment uh, when I'm sitting here for three months implementing this and hoping that these people know what they're talking about in this research from 2010 but then when I discover this guy, well, now he's a national member. He's a member of the National Academy of Science. All right. This guy was working on gain of function and trying to understand viruses for the last 40 years. He was a collaborator and some say a mentor of the bat lady from Wuhan. Uh, Zingli Shi. So she, she certainly acknowledges him as a collaborator. And I've also heard that 
she had referred to him as a mentor. Um, and he had also sent her humanized mice to be able to conduct her research. These were mice that had certain receptors that were the same as human beings, and you could use them for testing. So it was a very close relationship that Ralph Barrick had to the Wuhan facility over there. Um, and then when, so, I mean, he's a man of great expertise. He's a genius. Um, he runs his lab out of the University of uh, North Carolina, uh, Giddings Lab, I believe it's called. And uh, he's very, very well known uh, in the virological industry. So finding his name on this paper, it's the gold standard. He's not a man who would commit fraud, you know, and risk his reputation uh, by doing bogus research. He got funded, uh, apparently through Fauci, through uh, NIAID. They did the research in 2010. We don't know what led him to doing zinc and re investigating zinc to block viral replication, but he did it, and he proved it decisively in vitro, but then he never did animal studies afterwards. So after I discovered this, it's like, I'm thinking, I got to get this information to Dr. Zelenko somehow. He needs to know this is critical and significant information that a virological expert had underpinned the Zelenko protocol. And that gave it incredible credibility, uh, from my perspective anyway. Because it's not a man who would risk his reputation conducting fraudulent research. So he just had never followed through and brought any attention to it, had not taken it to the next step. And effectively, what Dr. Zelenko had done with his patients is he had done the in vivo human trials that ultimately Ralph Barrick and Tony Fauci should have done, and they never did. So, and, and they never did. And part of it would be, can you imagine if you're Ralph Barrick and you're getting funding now, and Fauci is getting funding, and in order to be be able to do gain of function, and then suddenly you realize, oh my God. Um, just zinc itself um, can really actually uh, destroy everything we've been working on because it's the it could be the magic bullet that really uh, will stop um, anything that we've done as far as gain of function um, with the various different viruses. Um, and then now the issue would be if I suddenly do animal studies on it or if I do human trials on it, uh, it could prove that everything that we were getting funded for on gain of function just got defeated by a simple uh, zinc, um, stopping any replication. Uh, so that would uh, completely turn everything that they were doing upside down on his head. The other piece would be also that uh, I'm sure the question has to be asked, uh, if ever is going to be asked, of Dr. Barrick, who told you to never do the animal testing on seeing what the effects would be with zinc? And why would they tell you not to do that study? That was what I would be interested in. I'm not sure he was told not to do it. I think, you know, I, I just have a gut feeling and a suspicion. When you're doing this research, um, for some reason, he wanted to investigate zinc and seeing if he could increase intracellular concentrations of zinc inside the cell uh, by using an ionophore uh, and what it would do. And it worked decisively in vitro. 
well, your next step should be go into a simple animal trial. You inoculate an animal with any type of RNA virus, okay? And this is another thing that Ralph Bear came up with. Because RNA viruses, we're talking influenza, SARS, bird flu, uh, Zika, dengue, polio, um, was it hepatitis A? All of these are RNA viruses, and they use the same enzyme called RDRP, RNA-dependent de uh, RNA polymerase, in order to replicate themselves. It doesn't mutate. It doesn't change very often. It can't, or it affects the ability of the virus to be able to replicate itself inside of the cell. Whereas everything else changes on the outside, how it binds to the cell, which is where vaccine theory is trying to interdict and prevent, um, this is right there, and it's a target. And it's why Ralph Barrick chose this. Now, here he is. He's using natural products, zinc. The ionophore that he used was something called perithium, which, when I researched it, apparently is derived from Persian shallots, onions, all right, a specific type of, of uh, shallot. Ron, if uh, I can yeah. uh, stop you yes, here sir. for a second, I do want to continue on that, but we have to take a short break. I'll bring you back, and then I want you to continue on that uh, thought process, please. This is Jody O'Malley with Nurses Out Loud. Did you know our body is made up of trillions of cells, and inside each cell, redox signaling molecules are produced? These molecules hold a sacred place in chemistry because as we age, the vital communication of our immune system to keep our bodies free from harmful bacteria, viruses, and toxins become less efficient. For the first time ever, ASEA brings you the power of these molecules in a convenient and potent form to provide your body with the essential support it needs to thrive. Ever since I toured their facility, I take two ounces in the morning and evening, and my vitality and energy has been restored at a time I needed it the most. Go to americaoutloud.shop and get your exclusive 15% discount by using the code OUTLOUD. The pandemic may be over for some, but millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-term effects of toxic spike protein from COVID-19 and the vaccines. Fortunately, Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at the wellness company designed their spike support formula with the miracle enzyme natokinase, scientifically studied to dissolve spike protein so you can feel your very best. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. You wouldn't go a day without brushing your teeth or washing your hands. What about washing your nose? I mean, your nose does filter the air you breathe air loaded with bacteria, viruses, and irritants. Make nasal hygiene part of your routine with Clear. No messy bottles to fill, no drowning sensation. Clear is a natural drug-free saline with the added benefit of xylitol, which blocks bacterial and viral adhesion. Available in stores and online at clear.com. That is X-L-E-A-R.com. Everyone and welcome back, our uh, audience again, listening audience. Um, American Out Loud Radio again plays on iHeartRadio Network. Uh, all my shows uh, go to podcasts, typically one or two days after the broadcast is heard on talk radio. You can also hear on uh, hear them on Spotify, Stitcher, Bandora, and iHeart Podcast, and uh, more. 
Be sure you subscribe and rate the show on Apple Podcasts for me. And we continue our conversation with uh, Ron Reese, a dear friend of mine. He was, again, a Iraqi survey group analyst, counterterrorism analyst, and a task force J2X. And uh, Ron, as we mentioned, on May 30th of 2020, uh, was able to look at the connected dots between Dr. Zelenko's protocol and the top U.S. virologist, Ralph Barrick. Ron, um, uh, I know that we're talking about the Persian shallots. Um, if you could tell us uh, how was it that Dr. Barrick used those and what was the outcome that he achieved from it? Uh, according to the research, uh, he introduced zinc into a Petri dish, and then he introduced perithion in there and that he was able to measure the amount of zinc that went into the cell. And then he also used a, a, it's called a chelator. They can remove zinc or another mineral, a zinc chelator. He was able to introduce that, remove the zinc from the cell and witness a viral replication recommence. So he was able to prove it definitively that by introducing zinc into the cell, in a higher concentration, he was able to disrupt the replication, the RDRP. And by removing it, the replication recommenced. Uh, decisive, no doubt about it. And he used completely natural ingredients. That's what was, was critical about this. Zinc is natural. You can't patent zinc. It's critical to our immune system. Perithione, it's from a natural substance. Uh, you know, a Persian shallot. You cannot patent it. So there's no final financial interest to continue to pursue this type of research. Instead, you're going to look for some other type of platform, drug platform and technology that can accomplish the same thing and that you can patent. And the result was remdesivir. Uh, that was his next drug. And now he has a pill version called monopiravir. Uh, he's developed both of these. They all do the same thing. They interrupt the RNA-dependent RNA polymerase. If that's disrupted, the virus cannot copy itself. It cannot replicate, which means you don't have a viral, viral load buildup, and you don't go into an inflammatory overreaction. You don't wind up in the hospital. And if you were this, uh, yeah, Ron, if you sure. were a guessing man, how much money were we talking about that could have cost if Ralph Barrick had oh. simply gone ahead and said, uh, you know what, zinc is what we need to use? Uh, how much money would have cost the pharmaceutical companies, which he's actually uh, part of, being given the fact that he's making money on these other patents? Um, and if you were looking at the numbers, I'm not sure if you done the uh, deep dive on it. Uh, what did we talk about as far as possibility of people that could have been saved? Well, you know, here I'm in Indonesia and I know they spent $25 billion equivalent on COVID vaccines and all other things. Um, you know, you, hundreds of billions. We're talking the biopharmaceutical, uh, vac the vaccine industry uh, with regard to RNA viruses, influenza, the annual up uh, boosters that we get for various types of influenza viruses, uh, Zika, dengue, you know, which is a major problem in the tropics. Uh, yeah, they would be shut down effectively. There's no reason that, that. Let me give you an example here. If Zeb Zelenko, when he first came across 
that video and made his protocol. He contacted the White House through YouTube. He tried to contact him, and they got back to him. Uh, Mark Meadows, the chief Trump's chief of staff. And he briefed them on what he had discovered and what he had done with his patients. Now, what would it have been like if Ralph Barrick had been able to cite, not Ralph Barrick, but I'm sorry, Zev Zelenko, had been able to cite that his research was based upon the top virological expert with regard to SARS and other RNA viruses, Ralph Barrick. Do you think that might have had some impact on uh, you know, going against Fauci's attempts to undermine hydroxychloroquine? Yeah, Fauci would have right. uh, had no choice but to support his own, uh, you know, researcher Ralph Barrick. Um, and and you certainly wouldn't have, you certainly would not have been able to replace hydroxychloroquine with Ralph Barrick's other RDRP inhibitor by the name of Remdesivir, and that's what happens. The three thousand dollar treatment uh, that didn't work because it's IV only and it's too late. It's given too late. But that's what they did. They replaced the idea of zinc and hydroxychloroquine with an antiviral that could not function by virtue of the fact that it was given too late. The the issue at heart, again, becomes a skin of function. And uh, I know that you've now looked at uh, and we have uh, slides uh, that are um, that you put together for the Near East. Uh, that are looking at the H5M1 avian flu pandemic links analysis. Um, I want you to start kind of doing a little bit deep dive, fast forward where we are today, that it's possible that the same treatment may work with the uh, uh, H5N1. Uh, but uh, where are we at as far as what you've been able to discover with what is happening with the, uh, it seems, uh, an expansion of the bird flu now globally? Uh, yeah, let's get into that. But let me, before I do that, one snippet out of Ralph Berg's paper from 2010 is his author, author's summary. And he states that all RNA viruses are unified, and that's the key operative word, unified, by their use of RNA-dependent RNA polymerase. Okay? So across the entire spectrum of RNA viruses, they use this same uh, enzyme to replicate themselves disrupt in one you can disrupt in others that's just the logical um uh, outgrowth from this okay uh so here recently how do we go into the history let me just give a quick history of h5n1 h5n1 avian bird flu was first discovered in hong kong in 1997 um it's a it's a highly pathogenic virus but it's a very rarely contracted virus among humans birds it'll devastate an entire bird population uh within weeks uh but it has a hard time jumping into the human population uh of the 878 people since 1997 who have contracted h5n1 52 percent have died that's over half so we're not joking this is this is the killer the monster but fortunately it's very difficult to contract and, and, and for our made... listeners, though, Ron, just so you know, I, you know, I was in Thailand and I caught the uh, bird flu there. Um, they found that when I came back to uh, to Chicago, uh, but it was a different strain. So it wasn't the strain that we're talking about right now that they were working on for the gain of function. That it seems like it's the strain that is out there that is starting to affect other mammals. 
yeah, there's a lot of different versions of uh, of bird flu, but the H5N1 is the one that's known as being highly pathogenic among humans. And it literally, when it broke out in Hong Kong, they killed a million birds, geese, and uh, the type of bird that had originally been seen as the uh, the original vector of this of this virus. So they had to cull a million birds to be able to eradicate it and stop it from spreading. So it's happening again um, in birds. It, you know, it continued, bird flu continues. It has continued over several decades, but it has not made a zoonotic leap into mammals or into humans until the last decade that I've been able to find. And um, in particular, it's making a leap into minks. We make mink coats and, and into foxes. Uh, on these mink farms in Spain and in Finland, they've had to call tens of thousands of mink that have contracted H5N1. And I'll tell you why this is important in a second. Okay, This came to my attention just a month ago, and I started digging in and researching it. Why is it going into the mink population? Minks and ferrets in general have a similar immune response to an influenza virus as human beings do. We can give them the flu. They can give it to us if they get close enough or breathe on us. Um, and so it's a, we call it homology. Okay, So the homology of their immune system is very similar to humans. This is why ferrets are very useful in lab, gain-of-function lab research to be able to see if they can make a virus mutate in such a way that it can infect a, a, a ferret or a mink. They use ferrets. Uh, and then can that ferret infect another ferret? And if it can, then they've effectively mimicked the possibility of a virus leaping from one human being to another or from a ferret or a mink into a human population. Uh, so it's very worrisome when you start seeing mink catching H5N1. Now, going back into the gain of function of this, in 2009... And the University of Wisconsin, a researcher by the name of Yoshihiro Kawaoka uh, combined H5N1 with some elements of, I believe it was H1N1 swine flu, and manipulated the, the genetic code of the virus. And then he inoculated a ferret. And he put two ferrets in cages, or in several, I don't know how many ferrets he used, but a number of ferrets. They had no physical contact with one another. Okay, they only shared the same atmosphere, so they were breathing the same air. So he was trying to see if he could make H5, the inoculated infected ferret transmit that virus over into another ferret. Can we get the virus to mutate in such a way that it will survive in the atmosphere long enough to be transmitted? And that's what he was able to achieve. Airborne transmission of H5N1 between ferrets, which means by default, eventually between human beings. Um, it created an uproar when the paper came out. Uh, scientific community was like, what are you doing? You have just taken the most deadly, virulent virus on, known to man on Earth, and you've made it airborne transmissible. It's insanity. And eventually it led to a temporary moratorium on it, but it was very temporary. And then they continued their research on it. So, 
here we have ferrets. They 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 use this. It's called passaging. Is the the the, the is the uh, method that they used. So they made it airborne transmissible between ferrets. Now suddenly birds are transmitting it to ferrets on mink farms in Spain last year in October 22, and just last month in Finland. Thousands of ferrets are being culled in Finland right now because of an H5N1 outbreak. So it's not very long before you make a plausible spillover into the human population. That's what I'm, that, that, that's the, the concern that I have. Well, look, um, it, now going it, back, it is, it is yep. possible because as you were saying, yep. and then you mentioned, you know, but you got to go back to who actually funded this and it was Bill and right, exactly. Melinda Gates get Foundation. Bill Gates, nine and a half million dollars in 2009 uh, was provided to the University of Wisconsin and specifically the Yoshihira Kawaoka for his research. So um, Bill Gates, you know, he doesn't like to be known as the guy who's, uh, uh, you know, the vaccine expert, but he's already claimed he's making 20 times his investment on vaccines. Um, and what investment is it? Is it the investment in the gain of function? to create a problem that has to be solved. This is where we get back into the SARS origins is lab leak. Uh, is it, you know, natural zoonosis? They want to try to create a narrative. They tried to do it with Wuhan. They said, oh, this was the wet market. It must be horseshoe bats or it must be pangolins. Um, but we know now it was a lab leak. We're pretty sure, you know, they just don't want to admit it. They tried to cover it up. Well, Ron, they had, they had the same thing in uh, 2019, you know, a library yeah. accident that occurred at the University of Wisconsin, uh, exactly. where they were actually working on the H5M1 gain of function. And uh, and when the leak took place, um, you know, what did they do to be able to clean it up? And then yeah, uh, they had a they had a trainee. They had a trainee working in a room full of contaminated or inoculated infected H5N1 infected uh, ferrets and his air hose popped off disconnected so he's now breathing the contaminated air in the room you know he's in a pressure suit anybody who's watched pandemic or or outbreak you know they get into these uh, overpressured suits and they're connected by air hoses and, and air filtration well his air hose connect disconnected so now he's breathing the uh the air inside the room the contaminated air so did they report this incident no, they did not. Uh, they sent him into a temporary quarantine at his own house, not in a quarantine facility. Uh, um, and this was the same guy who had done the gain of function in 2009, uh, Yoshihiro Kaoka. This was his facility. And they never notified uh, NIAID or NIH about the uh, about the accident. No, and then and, if, uh, if you fast forward to October of 2022, the first uh, yep. H5M1 outbreak is in the Ming Farms in um, yep. Glacia region of Spain, and then May of 2023 in Canada, uh, where they have experienced the H5M1 outbreaks in the uh, minks and foxes. Well, uh, you know, the Canadian incident is, is this is, I happened to catch an Alex Jones episode, and like many people, I just, you know, Alex is Alex is Alex, right? Whether you want to believe him or not, he's just a, a data point for me. Um, can I confirm whatever he's saying? He's talking about TSA officials coming to him surreptitiously and tipping him off to there's a potential outbreak coming out of Canada of a new virus. 
And that immediately I triggered, I went and did a Google search, Canada, H5N1. And lo and behold, they've been suffering bird flu outbreaks uh, among a variety of mammals up there uh, since last spring. And I've not been seeing a lot of news about this. This is serious. This is the this is the one, as Bill Gates once said, that will get our attention this time. And which is why seeing that collaboration or cooperation, whatever, the funding from Bill Gates, Bill and Melinda Gates into H5N1 and making it highly a highly pathogenic virus, airborne transmissible. And then 14 late 14 years later, just right after we're coming on to the denouement of the COVID outbreak, we're starting to see an H5N1 outbreak in the mink population, which is just a very short jump into the human population. Uh, it is. is that just a coincidence? It, it, well, I mean, that's where we have to do that link analysis, right? But um, I do want to uh, make sure you don't lose that train of thought. Um, we're going to take a, a short break and then come back. And uh, I do want to have your take as far as what we can do to maybe counter it. Uh, again, for our audience out there, be sure to make AmericanOutloud.com your daily stop for the latest news and happenings. We uh, all must do our part and share the stories, the articles, the videos, uh, so that we can help secure America's future. And with that said, we'll come back for our final segment of the show. We are the pulse and voice of everyday American thought. AmericaOutloud.news, delivering a message of truth, inspiration, and hope to the world. Here we take on the challenges of our generation so that we can preserve future generations. Join us in the fight for liberty and justice for all. America Out Loud Talk Radio. Trouble concentrating or recalling information is frustrating, embarrassing, and kills productivity. Nutrition company Healthy Cell created Focus and Recall to boost your brain power. And unlike other supplements that don't work, Focus and Recall is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients to help you immediately sharpen focus and strengthen recall. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order, risk-free. Love it or your money back, guaranteed. HealthyCell.com, code OUTLOUD. For 25 years, Global Healing has proudly produced the highest quality supplements and cleansing programs that are rooted in nature and backed by science. Get 15% off all of our products using code OUTLOUD. Global Healing, giving you the power to take control of your health naturally. Again, for our audiences, you can find out more about this show today and all my other shows and get all the uh, latest podcasts uh, if you go to the menu navigation bar at AmericanOutloud.com under our show or schedule. You will be in the know. Um, I know that uh, our conversation continues with Ron Reese. And Ron, uh, last thing we were talking about is uh, how Canada is now, since May, experiencing uh, the outbreaks of H5M1. And uh, uh, it's happening 
really during the winter time, and I know me and you have talked in the past, um, and we should be worried because of now the birds migrating to the south and a possibility of not just having a virus be carried by humans that might be affected coming to the United States uh, from Canada, but possibly from migratory birds. Uh, yeah, that's that's a, a, a big concern. Um, and seeing what's happening in Finland, here's the problem, I guess, is we don't know. We can I can sit here and look at Bill Gates and say, why were you funding H5N1? Were you part of some type of World Economic Forum, you know, scheme to to rain pandemic down upon the world and control everyone? Um, that is certainly a plausible scenario because both of them have had their fingers in all aspects of the uh, lead up to the SARS pandemic. And now it seems like H5N1. Um, maybe SARS was the rehearsal for the big one. Um, H5N1, there's no doubt about it. This is highly pathogenic. This is most likely worse than the Spanish flu of 1918, potentially worse. Uh, it's nothing to laugh about or joke about. But it's still an RNA virus. And what we have learned from you know, Dr. Zelenko and many, many others who have implemented Ralph Barrick's research. He was the first. He was the pathfinder. Other people caught on with what was being done, and they started implementing it. And still you have the controversy against hydroxychloroquine. Um, again, we're talking natural elements. Zinc and Ralph Barrick used perithion. So we don't, you know, is this a zinc deficiency that's at the heart of why we're so vulnerable to viruses, I believe that's probably part of the case. Um, there's a substance known as quercetin that many may be aware of. Uh, it's a natural uh, bioflavonoid, and it's derived from apple peels primarily, or onions. But I've always wondered, is this the, the reason why we have an apple a day keeps the doctor away? It's a hypothesis on my part, but combining it with zinc, uh, being zinc sufficient, people who eat a lot of fish, oysters, seafood, they naturally have a high zinc level. Um, and you just need that gun to be able to push that zinc into the cell to block the viral replication. Um, I believe it's effective. Um, again, having Ralph Barrick's name behind it, you know, I don't believe he would have committed a fraud. He just did not want to advance it because there's no money in it. There's Isn't far it more money in remdesivir. There's no money in it, and the same thing, there's no money in, um, um, I mean, not having gain of function when you're an individual like Bill Gates. If you can advance a virus uh, uh, in the future uh, through the gain of function process, then you could turn around and say, here, I have a solution. Uh, that's going to cost you money, but you could counter it. Um, again, for our audiences, I may not know, and they, you know, they're still struggling with those gain of function mean. Viruses uh, have developed on this planet. Humans and animals have had them, and they live together. So as they advance uh, in time, they basically develop immunities or maybe new strains, but they're able to at least, given the fact that they're developing together, are able to counter. What gain of function does, it basically takes a virus that uh, is uh, in 2023, advances it 100 to 200 years into the future. The issue is, well, if you're the human and you're having 
you know, advanced 20 years into the future, uh, the the virus that is suddenly introduced, whether it escapes a lab or an incidence is uh, by adversaries, some near peers who may be able to use it as a bioweapon and is utilized to target uh, civilian populations of their adversaries, then it is very difficult uh, for humans to be able to survive some of the negative effects that the viruses will have out there. So um, from what uh, I'm understanding that you're saying, Ron, is that uh, uh, even with the H5M1 and a deadly form of it that might be hitting us sometime uh, either uh, uh, this year or later in uh, 2024, that uh, uh, still the same utilization of zinc. Again, we're not giving you medical professional um, information here. You're going to always have to ask your doctors and uh, depending on your health history, yeah, even under Zelenko, Zelenko would tell folks, you know, giving your health history, you go get the, uh, you know, uh, shot in order to protect you. Where in other cases, it would be like, no, it will kill you. Uh, you don't need it. Do not take it. Um, same thing. Uh, we're just giving you what has worked in the past, what we've seen in patterns. Um, I think uh, you had said maybe 10 to 15 milligrams daily would be sufficient uh, from your perspective. Uh, but I want you to cover a little bit more about how would you counter it now if it does come in? And then what's your recommendation to the U.S. government? So how we should start taking steps to be able to counter the possibility of a much more deadly bird flu hitting the U.S. sometime in the near future as a ne next pandemic? Uh, yeah, let's go ahead and address the last part of it first. Uh, the U.S. government should have been doing something about this in 2010 when Barrick revealed this. I mean, this is an amazing discovery natural elements that are stopping viral replication. I mean, he stopped it in SARS, he stopped it in polio, he stopped it in influenza. Those were the three elements that he tested. Uh, all of those were very serious viruses. So why was not official animal testing conducted on this? It should have been mandatory. Um, but that's not how our system works right now. They go out there and get research money so they can then lead them to a very expensive drug that may or may not be as equivalently uh, uh, useful. I'm a believer in it. I've used this at least four different times. And my normal procedure is that I'll take 15 milligrams uh, a day. Um, and then if I feel a fever coming on or I've just gotten run down and it happens to everyone, it, when many of you feel a fever coming on, I start taking, because I'm a 200-pound guy, I'm taking about 100 milligrams of zinc once a day for four to five days. That's my; Those are my bullets, okay? And I could take a little more. Your body will flush it out over time. It's, it's just, it goes out through your, through your urine. Um, then I use green tea extract, which is also known as EGCG. Um, here in Indonesia, I have access to quinine. Quinine is natural hydroxychloroquine. If people want to go through it, they can get tonic water there in the States. And that's quinine water, 83 milligrams per liter. If you want to dehydrate it, you effectively could do that. And you'd have the, uh, um, the equivalent of hydroxychloroquine as ionophore. Uh, quercetin is another one that is utilized with vitamin C to make it bioavailable. Um, you don't have to have hydroxychloroquine. But by far, I think it's it's a very powerful ionophore. 
and green tea extract is almost right up there. And anybody can get that at Costco uh, or any other place. They can order it online. And so maintaining your zinc sufficiency and along with that, your vitamin D sufficiency, go have your vitamin D levels checked and make sure they're at least above 50 uh, nanograms. Uh, your doctor will know. Okay. Uh, and uh, just so I could jump in here, because on the vitamin D, yeah. a lot of the time the doctors have a lower threshold on the vitamin D, and they will say, no, you don't need to take any more. But no, you can go a little bit higher on vitamin D. But I do know that uh, uh, what would be the negative results of taking too much zinc? How does it uh, interact with copper? Um, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, I'm sorry, we had addressed that on the slides, too. A lot of information to cover. Uh, copper is something that's essential to your nerve system, nervous system. Uh, and so if you're taking too much zinc, as I understand it, the copper will bind to the zinc and it'll get chelated. Again, that fancy term of it'll get removed from your body. So you'll have to supplement it again. So this way you don't want to take too much zinc uh, until, you know, you feel like you've been exposed or you're getting sick. Then you start loading up on it. And I never do it for more than a couple of days. I've never had to. Uh, I've cracked viruses with or uh, fevers within 24 hours. One night I'm feverish. I'm feeling like I'm about ready to die. And I'm running 103 fever. Next morning, after taking 150 milligrams of zinc, um, and at that time I was taking quinine bark, which is not the same, but green tea extract. Well, I didn't take it at night. That, that's right. I did not take it with quercetin. The next morning I'm fine. I'm tired. I know I've just fought a battle, but my fever's gone. And it's just now a recovery process. I'm not going to the hospital. And I've yeah. done that at least four times. My friends have done it. Try it yourselves. This is, you know, don't be afraid to try it. Do it now and be prepared. You know, Ron, you were mentioning uh, apple a day keeps the doctor away. Uh, my grandmother uh, used to say, you know, eat fish is good for your eyes. And we're talking about a woman who lived in the mountains uh, of uh, northwest Iran and a Syrian Christian woman. And we say, okay, Grandma, it's good for our eyes. And then I come to the States, and then Stanford University had been paid a lot of money in grants to basically do a study over a three-, four-year period that said, fish is good for your eyes. So, uh, the, you know, it's funny how an old woman uh, who would be considered illiterate couldn't re read or write in the mountains of northwest Iran understood uh, how these natural remedies can be helpful to you. And yet we have to come here and give uh, a lot of money to a Stanford study uh, and grants uh, for people to write a paper to, you know, make their, uh, uh, as they say, uh, another check block on the, uh, on the ladder of uh, climbing the success ladder to be able to turn around and one day say, you know what, I will design a new uh, pill for you. Uh, you will owe me millions of dollars uh, in the future where you could basically get a lot of these uh, remedies, um, you know, in the natural environment. Um, but uh, I think I do want to kind of look at as we're going to get your closing thoughts on it uh, again uh, from what Ron is saying and I recommending and I would say, you know, contact your congressman, congresswoman uh, and Tell them that Ralph Barrick did the research on zinc and ionophores, and those should be applied to the animal models uh, if for no other reason than to save our wildlife and domesticated birds. 
and the mammals, and we need to start doing that with the H5N1 so that at least Congress can bring it to the floor and your representative and start forcing the system to actually go back to that Ralph Barrick study. And maybe for the first time, again, those tough questions are going to be asked. Well, if we knew this, if Ralph Barrick had done this and Fauci, you knew that he had done the study, why didn't you come to the table and say, use zinc? Why didn't you initially push that instead of turning around and having us go through this entire process of what we're dealing with right now within a uh, um, vaccine that has caused issues and especially younger Americans and younger people globally. Um, I'm going to give you the last yeah. uh, four minutes we have for your closing thoughts before we sh- sign off for today. Uh, thank you, Sargas. Yeah, that uh, you got into the points that I was just going to address is we're worried about our birds. Now, birds are a major predator of insects. Uh, if we lose our birds, wild and domestic, then you're going to have the possibility of insect plagues returning because there's no natural predator. Uh, it's implicit. Our natu- our gold, our eagles, bald eagles are susceptible to bird flu. So our national symbol is at risk uh, from bird flu. So the government should have enough motivation to pursue pursue whatever means are necessary to try to save our wildlife and our food supply, our poultry, uh, our swine flu, because we're talking swine flu. Uh, Anything that can be infected by an RNA virus should be able to be deterred or inhibited. Uh, The virus should be inhibited by the use of supplemental zinc and the appropriate natural ionophore. Um, At least do the research. We need to have a number of people doing the research so it can be replicated and we don't have to worry about bias or um, somebody not wanting this to get out there. Uh, the current system as it is, is playing whack-a-mole with viruses. It's uh, they want, They're going to have a new mutation every year. you got to get a new booster. This is the way to get cut to the heart of the, the, get to the target, the ultimate target, the heart of the virus, and stop it. And every one of us can do this with natural um, uh, variations of the Zelenko protocol. And Zeb Zelenko's a hero. That's really what I want to say. He's a hero because he did what Ralph Barrick was afraid to do. And he should get a Nobel Prize for what he did. Uh, may he rest in peace. May he rest in peace and God bless him for everything that he was able to contribute to to our world and save lives. And uh, thank you very much again, Ron, for everything you have done, uh, especially in support of the Neary Center for Strategic Engagement Mission. And, um, of course, uh, we'll have the uh, presentation that was put together at the bottom of the description for this particular podcast. Again, for our audiences out there, uh, all my shows go to podcasts typically one or two days after the uh, broadcast is heard on talk radio, and you can hear them on Spotify uh, Stitcher, Pandora, and I Heart Podcast, uh, and many more. And be sure you subscribe and rate the show on Apple Podcasts for me. And we will provide the links uh, to everything that we have talked about. Uh, so it will be available for you to download and take a look at it specifically. And I want to thank you again, Ron, for really coming here and uh, giving us uh, some good advice. And uh, let's hope that our audiences can uh uh, take some of that advice, contact their representatives and have them 
go back to the Ralph Barrick research on zinc and try to apply it now to birds out there in order to counter possible deadly avian flu that might be hitting us in the near future. And I do want to thank uh, our audiences for joining us on this mission. The National Security Hour is the tip of the spear and the epic battle to defend the United States of America. And Ron, you get a minute. Uh, any closing thoughts from you uh, besides what we had already discussed? Uh, I just want to appreciate everyone that has taken the time to listen. Um, and I want you to throw hope. You don't have to be afraid. Pharmaceutical industry wants us to be afraid, and they've sold fear for the last three years, and they're going to try to sell it to us again. Uh, Zelenko, inspired by Ralph Barrick's research, has provided hope, and we need to explore that, and we need to confirm it, and we need to enact it in our lives. So uh, there is hope out there. There's definitely hope out hope. there. And thanks to Americans like you and others who are doing a, a yeoman's job to help us out. Again, uh, I hope that uh, our audience enjoys the show that we had today. Uh, keep in mind that I'm uh, another voice on the National Security Hour and uh, hoping in the future that we can bring wonderful guests like Ron to the show. And Ron definitely will bring you back again to get us an update as far as where we are with uh, the uh, H5 and one and its effects in our future. God bless you all and we'll hear from you again.